I'm Risa Williams, and this is the Motivation Mindset, where I talk to successful and productive people about how they manage their time. I'm the author of three books, including The Ultimate Time Management Toolkit, The Ultimate Anxiety Toolkit, and my upcoming book, The Ultimate Self-Esteem Toolkit. I'm also a therapist and productivity coach here in Los Angeles. Today, I'm talking to Dr. Tamara Souls. Dr. Souls is a child psychologist, podcaster, and founder of the Secure Child Center for Families and Children in Montreal. She hosts This Hour Has 50 Minutes, a continuing education podcast for therapists. And she also created No More Power Struggles, an online parenting course. Today, in this episode, we'll be talking about how to get more intentional about your to-do list and how to set clear and effective time boundaries. Thank you so much, Dr. Tamara Souls, for being on the show. I'm so happy to talk to you today. I'm very happy to be here and always happy to have a conversation with you, Risa. So thank you for having me. So you are a busy person. You have two kids. You're a child psychologist. You run your own podcast. And you're the founder of the Secure Child Center in Montreal. So walk me through what does a busy day in your life look like, a typical busy day? So my days start with my email and some admin work for the clinic that I run. And then from there, it really depends if it's a clinical day for me, meaning am I seeing clients and working directly with clients, or is it more of my other business stuff? So it could be working on the podcast, it could be my writing, um, or it could be the online course for parents. What I have found, and I'm sure we'll talk more about this, is that I need to kind of keep those separate because for me, transitioning from those things is really tricky. So if it's a clinical day, then usually I will see two or three clients back to back then have an hour break where I have my lunch and usually go for a walk. And then I'll come back and tackle again, maybe two more clients and depending on how many I saw earlier, and then a little bit of time for wrap up with email again. And then I pick up my kids just after three. So that's kind of a clinical day. And then a non-clinical day looks pretty similar in terms of start and end time. But then usually I divide up ideally two hour chunks of time, because I find anything shorter than that is hard for me to kind of get going on something. So I might have a two hour block for editing my podcast or anything related to the podcast, booking, reaching out, um, you know, getting the, the show notes written, or it could be a two hour block for my writing. So I try to schedule similar things in the same way that I did a two hour block of clients, I might do a two hour block for one of those things. And then again, the lunch, you know, and walk break, and then tackling sort of the opposite one, whatever I didn't do the the writing or the podcast in the afternoon, and then picking my kids up again. And then of course, for me, because so much of my business is growing in different ways, often I'll do a little bit of tinkering after my kids have gone to bed as well. Yeah. So what I'm hearing from you is what I hear from so many people who come on the show that it's so important to compartmentalize our days based on what mental gear we need to shift into, right? And so you're saying you've learned over time not to jump around and try to fill up those two hours you have before you pick your kids up with a variety of tasks, rather make it more focused and specific to a group of tasks. Yes, exactly. And I, as you said, I didn't always do it that way. And it was such a time suck. And I found that I was actually using 
distraction more often because my brain was struggling with transitioning and shifting so many times. So I really needed to get intentional with how I broke up my time and how I divided my days so that I wasn't draining energy unnecessarily in that shifting process. And I could go deeper into the things that I was doing at any given time. Yeah, I love how you say that. So let's talk more about intention. Because I think that's so important, even from the time you wake up, to look at the segments you have ahead of you, right? To kind of see your day broken up into different segments or different chunks, as people call them, of time, and then really set an intention for each segment of time. Is that sort of how you map out your day when you're talking about intention? Yes, absolutely. And even to pull it back further, I would be hesitant to even tell you how many years into my private practice it took before I sat down and said, what do I actually want my work week to look like? (laughs) We do that, right? We go on default. And when we're acting on default, we're sort of like robots. We're just filling up our time with stuff. And we're not really analyzing what's important to me. Do I need to be doing all this? So yeah, talk to me about that. How do we get out of robot mode? Well, that's it. And, you know, as therapists, hopefully most of us are compassionate, empathic. And when we get these calls from clients saying, oh, you know, this is happening. Can you fit me in? And, you know, we often, I, I'll speak for myself, yeah. would often struggle with setting the boundaries and would try to fit people in and would do a lot. And so my schedule was often disorganized. And again, it wasn't serving me the way it needed to. Right. So, because we tend to want to please people. Yeah. And I exactly. think a lot of people who go into helping professions, there is that personality type of, we want to help people. We want to please people. We want 100%. to make them feel better. Right. And that can be both a blessing and a curse sometimes because we put our own needs at the back of the list, right? That's exactly it. So it took me many years to finally sit down and say, okay, I was intentional about carving out something that worked in terms of what I wanted for my family and how I wanted to parent. But mm-hmm. then within that time, I hadn't been as intentional. So that's really been you know, my work in progress that I feel like now I have that intentional, coming back to what you said you know, a few minutes ago, now I have the intentional blocks within the day that I didn't have a few years ago right. because they were more disorganized and scattered. And it is so helpful. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a little pre-planning, which people resist. They avoid it because they just think, well, I'll just see how the day goes. But the day gets away from us so easily. And then yes. like the days turn into months and you're just doing the same thing if you're not actively switching it up for yourself. So I know you have a, a trick that you do in the mornings where you write out a simple list of things. And I know I talk about this in my book too. I do a weekly post-it. And so many of the people who've come on the show also do post-its where you're writing out a list of, I need to get these things done. But I think I like the way you say it in terms of, I need to get more intentional. I need to write down my intentions for what I want to do. So could you walk me through that process? Absolutely. And for me, what's important about that process is defining three things. And I know that the reaction for most people is I have a lot more than three things to get done in the day. So do I, we all do, but I know for myself, what happens is if I just write out my to-do list of things that I want to get done that day, my brain is going to cherry pick (laughs) what things it gets done. And it might be that I'm going to choose the sort of low hanging fruit, or I'm going to choose the things that are not, that I'm not avoiding or, you know, struggling with. 
So the reason that I choose three is so that I make sure to tackle the things that I might be avoiding or that are less, you know, exciting to me intrinsically, and that I can focus on those three. And then when I get those done, then I have my sort of bonus to do's, right? I don't, I don't just stop. I'll do whatever other things need to get done. But at least I know that at the end of the day, if I say I've completed those three tasks, then I know I'm okay. Those are the critical things. Somebody's maybe waiting for something or this deadline is happening, or I really need to chip away at my note writing or whatever it is. Yeah. No, I need to focus on those three things. And then I can get to the other things. So talk to me about how do I find a more defined stop point? And then how do I honor it each day? For me, that is easier than it might be for other people in the sense that my kids have to be picked up one way or the other. <laughs> you can't be late at school. <laughs> That's right. I can't be late to pick them up. They're so going to call you out. and tell you. <laughs> exactly. There's a hard out. There's right. a hard out. And I have always been mindful of not um, putting them in after school activities just to extend my work day, right? If there happens to be an activity they want to do, that's fine. But the luxury I have, and it is a privilege of having the schedule and structure that I have in my life is that I can and have committed to showing up and being there every single day at that time. So I have the hard out, but even at that, I do have to set timers for myself just to remind me to, you know, hard out at that time. So any tool and strategy I right. can use to help me is, is helpful. So do you use timers on your phone then? Do you yeah. actively set the timer? Yes, exactly. And for me, I had often resisted using timers, not because I didn't like the idea, but again, it was just another to do. But when I really embraced just telling my phone and telling Siri <laughs> to set the timer, it, it made things much easier. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's like that little extra step we can yeah. do. It takes 30 seconds, but our brain will resist it every single time. After you do it a few times, your brain actually likes structure sometimes. Yeah. So what I find is you build in habits like that, and then your brain kind of craves it. It almost listens for the timer before the timer. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And again, these are things generally speaking that you kind of the set it and forget it idea, right? Yeah. You like once if I put a timer in for 250 every day, then it's there and I don't have to keep doing it daily. And I don't have to keep reminding myself to check the time every afternoon. Like my day is rhythmic in that way. And so, as you said, just like when we try to raise children with a sort of routine, not necessarily a schedule, but a routine, their bodies get in the groove. And I find the same thing for me. So I know when I'm wrapping up this X thing, my brain has anticipated what's coming next. So the set it and forget it is a, is a helpful strategy for me. Right. And I like what you're saying because we work so hard as parents to create this structure or this story of the day for our children. We work so hard to, you know, get them out the door at the same time and okay, it's homework and now it's bedtime. And then for ourselves, sometimes we fall apart on applying these same principles, a lot of times because we're too tired or overwrought, or we just haven't learned to take care of ourselves in that way. And it really is a form of self-care if you think about it. Absolutely. And if I don't maintain those boundaries, my kids will suffer for it, but I will suffer for it. Right. So if, you know, if um, recently somebody asked me to speak at a at a workshop and the time was at 
from four till 6 p.m., something like that. And my response to that was me upholding my boundary and saying, it sounds like an amazing opportunity. If ever there was an opportunity that was before 3 p.m., I'd be happy to do it. But unfortunately, it doesn't work with my schedule. And that can be hard to hold those boundaries because we want to do these things and we want to people please and we want to seize opportunities. But again, keeping very intentional about what my values are and what's important to me. Do you have a few tricks or phrases that you teach people who are struggling with time boundaries? Rather than saying, you know, I'm really sorry and getting very, I sounded very Canadian when I just said that, um, <laughs> you know, rather than saying I'm really sorry and I wish I could do that and and so on, being enthusiastic and saying, that sounds like a great conference, right? So there's the enthusiasm. I would love to do it, unfortunately, and then I hold my boundary. And then anchoring it in a future opportunity. I would love to do that in the future if the timing were better, right? Or, um, and again, it could it could be anything. Same thing, I was asked to lecture in a class and it was a similar sort of thing. So um, it's really about the the formula, I guess, if you will, would be yeah. to, you know, embrace it with enthusiasm, acknowledge the, you know, the request and assert the boundary without apology and, um, you know, give something to look forward to. So tell me some more tools that relate to intention setting that you apply. I know when you're scheduling things too, you're very intentional about using time blocking, like we said, compartmentalizing tasks, and you use some other tools as well for actually blocking off your calendar. Yes. Well, one of the things that I do in terms of literal blocking is to use the um, Chrome extension block site. (laughs) So I know my my sort of go-to websites that are sort of brain candy that are just the things I want to distract myself with, whether it's celebrity news or yeah. you know, reading Slate's advice column, right? what Prudence or has Reddit to say threads. today. <laughs> right. Exactly. So I know what my sort of go-tos are. And so I block those off and nice. um, that way I know I'm not tempted. Um, and for me, those, those um, distractions are really time sucks. They're not intentional breaks, right? So an intentional right. break for me is getting up and just going to get a glass of water or stretching or taking 10 deep breaths. Those are intentional breaks, but these time sucks of, you know, what is so-and-so doing now is not restorative or, you know, helpful. Yeah. So, so that's one tool that I use. And if we get more intentional with noticing how our brain feels, we can almost feel the difference. So I know you're an expert in interpersonal neurobiology, which I think is amazing because as you know, I'm really interested in always finding new practical tools to help our brains grow and form new pathways. Mm -hmm. And I know you talk about this in your work with that you do with parents and families that we need to develop more practical skills to train our brains to communicate better. I was wondering if you could share a couple really quickly with us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think fundamentally, whether you're connecting with your child or you're connecting with someone else, the the key elements to that are active listening, which we know as therapists, right? How to sort of pause and really listen, listen without just waiting to jump in without already kind of thinking 10 steps ahead of what we want to say next, but really being present and listening, whether that's to a client, to a colleague, to our partner, to our child. Um, And then reflection. Reflection is so key. 
So being able to, in some way, say back what you understood or what you notice or what you what you feel or that you feel they're feeling. Yeah. So being able to do that from an interpersonal neurobiology perspective, we're thinking about it in terms of parenting and how we can shape brain development by connecting and, and creating that secure attachment. But outside of the parent-child relationship, we're still using those same tools and you know, in influencing wiring in, in brains by how we relate to others. Yeah. And again, just showing up, holding space and, and listening and reflecting, I think come back to sort of the, the keys and it takes practice. I think for a lot of people to figure out how to reflect in a way that sounds authentic and doesn't just sound like what I heard you say is right. <laughs> so therapeutic, yeah. right? But you could say something as simply like, wow, that sounds really hard. It sounds like that was really hard, right? right. Just keeping it simple and trying not to overthink it. Um, and I've said this before that even as a therapist in therapy myself, the very first time I was sitting with a therapist and I was explaining something and she gave me one of those, like, that sounds really hard. And in the moment, I just thought, it was really hard. <laughs> yeah. And you can just be the most so, profound yeah. thing anyone says to you. Just yeah. acknowledge and validate that That's someone's right. having a feeling. That's right. And it's, you know, even though it is a tool, so to speak, it is an effective tool, no yeah. matter what. It's not a, like, I'm on to you. I know what you're doing here. It's really just about connection. And, I and think seeing if we were, and, and witnessing. Yes, exactly. I think if we did more of that with each other, it would be beneficial for everybody's mental health. So I always have so much fun talking to you. I could talk to you for hours about so many different subjects. But to end today, I just wanted to maybe ask you a few intention setting phrases people can try out when they're sitting there trying to write out their three things. What are some kind of self-talk phrases they could tell themselves? Yeah, so I try to keep in mind the usual um, you know, done is better than perfect and letting yeah. myself off the hook and not getting too caught up in something. But the things that I try to tell myself in terms of setting that intentional goal is start small, break it down and take the next right step. Right. So yeah. to, to borrow a phrase from, um, I think a lot of uh, substance use treatment is mm -hmm. just take the next right step. And so if I can do that, then I can say, okay, what do I need to do? I really just need to, um, you know, tackle this part of this problem or reach out to this person about this. So those are some things that try to help me reduce overwhelm and really get intentional about what I have to do and, and how to do it. And even just saying that in your head, already you've focused and harnessed your mental energy a little bit more than before. Thank you so much for being on the show. Where can people find you if they want to learn more? Yeah, so they can visit my website, which is drtamarasouls.com, where I have resources for parents and for, for therapists there. And my podcast is This Hour Has 50 Minutes, which is a continuing education podcast for therapists. So they can check out any of those things. Okay, again, thanks for joining me today, and I hope you have a good rest of your day. Some takeaways from my talk with Dr. Tamara today. Learn to establish time boundaries with clear and effective communication. Become more intentional about what you value when you're setting up your to-do list. 
and avoid time sinkholes by identifying what distractions you tend to lose time and mental energy to. It only takes a few minutes each morning to set yourself up for an easier day. I hope you will take a few moments to figure out what the next right step forward is for you. To learn more about tools discussed on this episode, please visit risawilliams.com. If you click on podcast, you can learn about upcoming interviews, time lab episodes, and brain boost segments. I'm Risa Williams, and we're out of time. Thanks for listening.